Thank you for joining us this morning. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, Brother Fry, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Join us in singing hymn number 259, Jesus Saves.
good stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 140, We Have an Anchor.
will be sufficient in every time of need. My love will be the anchor that you can hold on to. This is the promise. This is the promise I made to you. I never said that friends would never turn their back on you, or that the world around you wouldn't see you as a fool. But I did say, like me, you'll surely be despised. promises of God. Hallelujah. That stands we sing once again, hymn number 102, He Hideth My Soul. Let the words of this song minister to your heart as we lift it up to the Lord this morning.
surrender. Sometimes it grips my soul and won't let go. Sometimes I think I'm worthless. That voice is so relentless. Sometimes I question, Lord, where did you go? Take me back to Calvary. Take me to the cross. Remind me where I was. Remind me what it cost. You thought I was worth it, even knowing who I am. Redeemed is how I plead. Forgiven's where I stand. When the voice of doubt and driven me to my knees and I wonder how you still love a wretch like me take me back to Calvary sometimes the weight has crushed me and without even knowing Tried to do it all in my own strength. But you were my strong tower, my hope in this dark hour. You alone are my rock and my defense. Take me back to Calvary, take me to the cross. Remind me where I driven me to my knees and I wonder how you still love a wretch like me take me back to Calvary oh about this everlasting love Calvary proves it will always be me back to Calvary, take me to the cross, remind me where I was, remind me what it cost, you thought I was worth it, even knowing who I am, redeemed is how I plead, forgiven's where I stand, when the voice of doubt to Calvary. Take me back to Calvary. Take me back to Calvary. It's good to be in the Lord's house uh, together today. If you would, uh, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We have uh, several uh, in need of prayer. And uh, I was sitting here uh, thinking about that. And I want to start uh, this part of the service with prayer uh, for... Um, Mrs. Medlin and the family uh, with Brother Paul's passing last night and then I uh, was informed that uh, the Summers have both have pneumonia uh, and so one pray for uh, Brother Larry and Miss Barbara and then uh, Paul Durham's been coming uh, for a while and uh, he uh, is about ready for the dialysis part of his treatment and so 
want to include him in that prayer also. And so if you would join your heart with me as we pray today. Lord, um, we love you so much. What an honor and a privilege it is for us to call you our Father. What a privilege it is to be able to come and make our requests known to you. We recognize you already know these things. may have even heard many prayers about them already. Lord, we come afresh and anew, just wanting to lay our burdens at your feet on behalf of our brothers and sisters. We think of Mrs. Medlin this morning and Brother Paul's passing last night didn't take you by surprise. You knew all about it. Lord, we just pray for your grace, strength to be upon her as she deals with uh, the many planning aspects. All that's going to go on in the next couple of days and even weeks after everyone's gone and pain finally truly begins to set in. Lord, I just pray that your grace would be upon her. Help us as a church body to love on her and encourage her and to help her through this difficult time. Lord, we pray for the summers. We thank you for uh, them and their love for one another and their love for you. God, I just pray that you would reach down, touch their bodies, this pneumonia that uh, seems to have uh, control of their body right now. Lord, that even now you would eradicate it from them, take it away and uh, give them their health and strength that they might uh, be able to be in your house again and worship you and, and love you, the God they love and they desire to serve. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would do your work there. Then we think of Brother Paul and ask that you would uh, give the doctors wisdom as they do what they need to do um, with him and the shunt that they need to put in and all that is preparation that needs to be done. God uh, can be very busy and uh, distracting all at the same time. And so we'd ask that you'd work there, uh, have your hand upon them. Lord, we know that we could fill uh, the time here today with just prayer requests. You have a many that sat right here. I think of the savages and their battles with cancer or just work on their behalf and in their bodies. I think of those that are watching uh, the booths and all that they've gone through. And even this last week, Lord, heard of a dear friend of mine battling cancer. I just pray to God that you would, uh, you would do your work, that you would show yourself mighty. And Lord, that those things you bring into our life, you bring them that a, they would draw us closer to you, and B, that we might be a testimony and a witness of that great faith that we hold on to. The Lord, provide your peace and your grace to those in need at this time. Might you be honored and glorified. We love you, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2. We are slowly making our way through it. Um, hopefully uh, next week uh, we'll... I'll be able to get to the verses I really wanted to get to the whole time that we've been in this. Uh, but uh, we're going to deal with verses 14, 15, and 16 today. And um, I would also preface this with the fact that you might say, Preacher, this has just kind of been the same thing the last several weeks. And it has. There's a reason for that. Uh, it's that we might grow in grace and knowledge and truth. And sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I hear something and it just goes by real quick. And then comes back a little while later and maybe it's said again. I go, I've heard that somewhere before. And so um, this, this passage, Hebrews chapter 2, it's, we, we've like broke the rototiller out, okay? And uh, if you grew up working a garden plot, you know what a rototiller is. It's got tines on the front and you let it dig down in the dirt, and you want to turn the dirt over. Uh, one of the things kind of bothers me nowadays is all this no-till that farmers are doing. And I know it saves fuel and all that, but there's just something about driving by farmland, and you've seen a plow go through, and it's laid it over, and it's just that nice, rich dirt. And now they just, you just drive by, and there's like stubble everywhere. And then 
they plant it and then they they spray it and they spray it and so no wonder our food's so healthy amen and uh they just take all the joy out of it so here we didn't do any no-till okay we tilled and you say well that was a lot of repetition you talked about Christ's humanity over and over and over good you're getting it that's good you can block that away in your memory and when someone talks about Christ you go oh, yeah he became human for me that I might be saved there was a reason for that and the different aspects that we looked at it that way so hopefully um, this has not been that laborious to you uh, but it's been an enjoyable time as we've uh, gone through Hebrews chapter 2. All right, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but took on him the seed of Abraham. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time together this morning in your word. Our prayer is that you would use your word in our lives and our hearts, mold us to be more like you. The Holy Spirit would do his work in our midst today. And Lord, there's things in our lives that we need to uh, contemplate more, that the Holy Spirit would help us to understand those things. Oh Lord, maybe there's some here that are not saved. This would be a great day for them to accept uh, Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we just pray that your work would be done. And, and Lord, I pray and ask that I just be a, a mouthpiece, a vessel to be used for your glory here this morning that you might be lifted up and exalted through it all. We love you, and we ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. And so uh, Jesus came with a plan. Here in verse number 14, we're continuing from uh, verse number 13, uh, where we're talking about, uh, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, and we're talking about Jesus, and how that he, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we come into verse number 14 here, and it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's us, we are flesh and blood, right? Uh, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Again, talking about the humanity of Christ, that he came to this earth, born of a virgin, amen? I want to underline that and stay emphasized on that fact. He was born of a virgin, uh, his blood was not of, of the earthly sin nature, but his blood was holy blood uh, from God, the Holy Spirit. And uh, he was born to this uh, life to take on flesh and blood and to live among man that he might be tempted in all points like it is us. He had a plan. He didn't come with a plan that we might add two holidays to our calendar. Okay. His plan wasn't to come that we could have Christmas and blow a lot of money impressing people we really don't care to impress and all that. And he didn't come to die that we would have Easter and the world would take it and make it about bunnies who lay eggs. Just talking about some of the silliness of the world. Amen. He came that Jesus would be born of a virgin, take upon him the flesh of man, that he might be the Son of God in the flesh here on this earth, live here 33 sinless years, tempted in all points like as we, and yet he came through the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, and they crucified him on the cross of Calvary, and there he died for our sins that heaven might be our eternal home. So he didn't come that we might add holidays. He came that he might redeem mankind. In this verse we find out, uh, the part of the redemption, it says that through death, Jesus had to die to redeem mankind. Jesus could have chose, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to become an angel. I'm going to become like the biggest, baddest angel in heaven, and I'm going to do something for man. But that didn't get him to us. Instead, he chose to become a baby, to take upon him flesh and blood, that he might die. It was through his death 
that our salvation was purchased there on the cross of Calvary. So he chose that he might take upon him flesh and blood, that he might redeem us. And cause it, what caused, what, what was the cause of that death was that it was caused through his death that he might destroy the power of death and the one who held that power, which was the devil. Okay? The devil is the prince of the power of the air. Amen? And the Bible says he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus' death destroyed the devil's power over death. Matter of fact, one of my favorite verses is that he uh, came forth victorious with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He has won the victory, and man goes free at death. It's not a thing of unknown. If you sat here today and you fear death, you need to pay attention because you need not fear death. Death is not something to be feared for the child of God. Colossians 1, 12-13 says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. For what the law, in Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And so this first point is that he destroyed death. He didn't come down and, and kind of, you know, lock it up for a little bit. He was victorious. He totally destroyed death. Its power is no longer there. As a child of God, we need not fear dying because death is a translation for us. It's a, a movement from one place to another. The sad part is many people live their life today as if this is the final place. This is the only place they're ever really going to live. And I would challenge you with this fact. This is just kind of the warm-up. This is the warm-up. Life begins at death, if you can believe that. Life begins at death. At the time that we die, we step into glory, where we'll never be separated again from our Lord and Savior. Amen? Where our sins have been totally forgiven. Hallelujah. And we get, I love this part, we get new bodies. I'll probably get a skinny one. Year one hair, okay. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't wait to get to heaven. It's going to be a wonderful thing. The, the pain and the suffering and, and all the illness, it'll never happen there. It's going to be a wonderful place to go and to live. And all that's been given to us because Jesus came and destroyed, I cannot emphasize enough, destroyed death. It destroyed it, destroyed its power. And I, yet I meet people who, as a, as a child of God, they don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to leave this earth. I don't want to leave my family. I get it. I love my family. I had the opportunity to spend the weekend with one of my sons, and I just love it. It was just wonderful to be able to be with family and be able to share time together. But think about it. When we get to heaven and all of us get there together, what a wonderful day that's going to be. We'll never be really separated again. We'll be there praising and worshiping our Savior, and we'll be there with our loved ones. I can't think of a better way to continue for eternity. Eternity. No, we're never going to die again. The, the power of death is totally gone. We will live forever if we know him as our Lord and Savior. The Bible said in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that... He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Life really begins at death. Everlasting. We step into everlasting, and that's like forever and ever and ever. Even these guys on the front row figured that out. It's everlasting. We'll always be there. What a wonderful day it's going to be when we go to heaven. So our first point is that he destroyed death. The second thing is that he delivered us. In Hebrews 2.15 we read, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What a deliverance. Have you ever lived in fear of death? There's been some times... Uh, uh, Back early on in my early days, 
you know, do anything to try to make money to put the ends closer together, you know. I think good husbands do that a lot. We were in Bible college, broke as a joke, even though I had a good job as a mechanic at that time, always looking to generate a little extra money so that maybe we could go, you know, like to Burger King and get a hamburger and, you know, just have a few extra dollars just to go out and just be together. And so my brother-in-law roofed, and he talked me into helping him roof. And so several different times I'd get up on a roof, and I'd roof. And boy, you talk about hard work. Roofing's hard work. It's not fun and easy job. And we were out, matter of fact, the, the day before Jeremiah was born, we roofed all day long. Sunburns, you talk about redneck, I had a redneck and red arms. I mean, just sunburnt. It must have been 400 degrees on that roof. You start putting the asphalt and shingles down and tar paper, that old sun just bakes it back on you. Anybody feel sorry for me yet? Yeah? You guys all need to do at least one roofing job. One in the middle of summer. It'll make you appreciate life, I'm telling you. And then you can get up and talk about how horrible it was when you were a kid and you had to really work. Sure beats doing this thing, okay? I'll work and sweat. It was awesome. Glad it's done. I'm not doing it again. Not doing it again. Matter of fact, we uh, lived in town and had the big storm come through and or living at this house had the big storm come through and Guy goes, I'm going to go up on the roof and check your roof. You want to come? And I'm like, nope. That's what they pay you for. Take pictures, bring them back down, show them to me. I ain't going up there. And so he did. Took pictures, brought them back down, show them. I ain't going up on that roof. There's been times I've been on roofs, like when we put the uh, truss up here, and these truss 32 feet at the peak. I got up there on the peak, and we had, uh, some of you know him, some of you don't, a uh, guy I called Biggin. His name is Danny Saltz. He's like 6'6", worked construction his whole life. I got up on the peak one day, and I just fear moved in on me. And I said, hey, Biggin, yeah, preacher. I said, I need your help over here. He goes, sure thing, preacher. We grew up together and really good friends. And He goes, what do you need? I said, I need off this roof. And I said, you're big enough that you can help me off this roof. And he did. He did. I got a picture of we were putting a roof on a church building out in Colby, Kansas, and we actually went in, set trusses, decked it. We had gotten finished decking it and putting our tar paper down, and it began to snow and sleet as we were finishing the last couple of runs. And I've got a picture of me at the peak, and I was with a good friend of mine, uh, Merv Goodrick, and Merv was the brains. I was just, you know, brawn. That's all I was there for. And... Uh, he goes, well, we can, we can leave the roof. And I, I said, that's all ice. I said, I'm going to slide off this roof. He goes, I'll go down before you. I'll slow you down. I said, you ain't slowing nothing down. He was like a, like a buck and a quarter wet, you know. And I'm, well, we won't talk about that. But there's been times in my life I've actually prayed, God, you get me out of this circumstance. I'll never do it again. Huh? If you've never experienced that, you need to experience it. Amen. What is it? That's the fear that comes. And sometimes it was the fear that I wouldn't die, that I'd just be crippled. I don't want to live that way. But there, there was this bondage that came upon man. Man had to live in fear of death. There was this the death and Satan and, and all that he imposed against us. And it all began because of Adam's sin. In Genesis 2.17 it says, By the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Don't you wish Adam would have not eaten of the forbidden fruit? Don't you wish Eve, that they would have had enough character and fortitude to say no? But they didn't. They say, well, it's all their fault. Well, you would have probably done the same thing. Genesis 3.10 says, And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, talking, Adam talking to God, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. How did you know that you were naked, Adam? Because he ate of the forbidden fruit. Satan used the fear of death as his strongest weapon. Satan held it over mankind for the longevity of mankind here upon this earth. But Jesus went to the cross and he defeated death and we need not live any longer in fear of death. 
Christ has delivered saints from the power of darkness and from the power of death. All mankind can have this deliverance if they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Death holds no sway over the child of God. Death in many ways becomes a welcoming friend. Brother Paul Medlin has been battling cancer the last several years, going through the chemo, going through all that, and and they got through treatments, and they found another spot, some more treatment. Mm. Last night when he stepped into glory, I bet he thought, I'm glad that's done. I'm glad that's over. I remember gathering around my dad's uh, hospital bed, and uh, he was uh, comatose, and the nurse came in and said, we believe that they can hear everything that you say while you're talking around the bed here, so be careful what you say. We, uh, I stood on one side, my mom stood on the other, I held my dad's hand, and there was about four or five family members there, and I talked about each one of them uh, and their influence in our life, in the family life, and talked about each one of them. When I got through talking about the last one, my dad just turned his head and he was gone. We'd begin to pray, God, I don't want to see him suffer like this. My dad was a hard-working man, hardly sick a day in his life. He didn't want to live like that. I wouldn't want to pray, God, keep him around just because I'm going to miss him. God, he deserves, he's going to a better place. I can't imagine to come out of that hospital bed and step into heaven. Can you imagine what that must be like? To have been suffering and pain here on this earth and then Boom, I'm in heaven and everything's perfect. I got this wonderful body. And where's my Savior? I want to praise Him. I'm afraid that we get skewed views of what we think heaven's really going to be like, like we're going to sit around and, and uh, maybe fish or whatever. I, I think that we're just going to spend a few million years just worshiping our great Savior for what He's done for us. Eternal life awaits our entrance. We step through the door of death, that gate that we step through, we come into his presence, and we'll never have to pass that way again. Now imagine this, everything will be brand new to us. Hallelujah. I've read about it. I've, you know, I've read and I've tried to understand what, what's a mansion and why is it there and how important is that and, and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? When I step in, I'm sure that I'm just going to go, I didn't, I didn't think it'd look like that. Uh, my limited knowledge, I didn't understand it was going to be like that. I didn't understand this. Listen, so when you read the Bible and you go, well, this is going to be you know, different from here and this is going to be different from here, I'll just let you know, heaven's going to be different, but you're going to be different and you're going to have perfect wisdom at that time and you're not going to worry about all the stuff that you're worried about from here to there now. When you get there, you're just going to say, hey, this is wonderful. Look at how wonderful it is. I'm ready to go. Anybody want to join me? No worn out bodies, no physical infirmities. Remember God's promise to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I was visiting with my son, and Cindy and I were visiting with Jeremiah this week and talking about my little grandson, Hudson, uh, calling Tank. I love that kid, I tell you. He just makes me smile. And so Jeremiah is telling me that he goes... Uh, in, in the house the other night, and Hudson's uh, scared. He doesn't want to go to sleep, doesn't want to stay in his room. He's scared. And so Jeremiah goes in, and he goes, Hudson, what's wrong? What, what's going on? He's, Daddy, I'm scared. He goes, you scared of the dark? No. Are you scared of the boogeyman? No. Well, what are you scared of? I'm scared of dinosaurs. I'm, a scared, I'm scared that dinosaurs are going to get me Daddy. And Jeremiah said, oh, Hudson, you don't have anything to fear. You see, dinosaurs are afraid of your dad. They're not going to bother you. Oh, thank you, Daddy. And so he took and he put the blanket up on Hudson's shoulders, gave him a kiss, and he said the blanket had pictures of dinosaurs all over it. I thought, Wow. When we become fearful, God goes, it's okay, Daddy's got this. Daddy's got this. Just trust me. Just let me take care of it. I've got it. 
The third thing we see is that it was decided. Verse 16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Jesus said, I'm not going to become an angel. We've got enough of them. I'm going to become man. I'm going to take upon me man's flesh and blood that I might live among them, that I might walk among them, that I might purchase their salvation completely. Man had no hope of eternal life outside of Jesus becoming man. It was so necessary that he was willing to take upon him flesh and blood that he might understand everything about us. We'll never be able to say, well, you never understood because you never were there. He's going to say, I understand completely. How many times Jesus went to a funeral and ruined the thing because he healed somebody? Because the anguish and the pain. And he stood there at Lazarus' tomb and he cried for Lazarus to come forth. And they, some theologians I've read after says, good thing he said Lazarus come forth or all the tombs would have been empty. Jesus took upon him. He understands our sorrow and our heartache and the pain and the suffering that we go through. Isn't it good to have a Savior like that? He decided, I'm going to take upon myself flesh and blood that I might be able to minister on their behalf, that I might die on their behalf, that heaven might be their eternal home. He could have easily said, no, no, we'll do it another way. Uh, we'll make uh, some certain uh, sacrifice. And you know the Old Testament, man, I'm glad I don't live in the Old Testament. The Old Testament saints, they had to bring that sacrifice. The blood had to be shed to cover the sin. It had to be done on a regular basis. And knowing my luck, I would die right in the middle of some horrible sin and never be able to atone. It would just have been a mess. But I get to be a New Testament saint. Hallelujah. The sacrifice has already been made. I look back in faith accepting what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary, looking forward to heaven above. What a wonderful time it's going to be. What a wonderful place to be in history where we can accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, knowing that death has no power over us, that it's just a step into the presence of our Savior, and that we can put our confidence and our faith in Him, knowing that we're going to be with Him when we step from this life to the next. For all of eternity. Are you ready to go? If not, you need to get there. Don't take much time trying to figure out if you're going. Because we do not know when our day will be up. But it will come. And if you're not ready, you'll not go. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. Pray that you would drive it home deep into our hearts. That you might challenge us if there be some here that are not saved that this might be the day they'd come to the saving knowledge of jesus go before us have your will done in this invitation time we ask these things in your blessed and most holy name amen let's stand have a moment of invitation god spoken to your heart give you an opportunity to respond you need jesus christ i'd love to meet you here and share with you about jesus how you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven whatever your need is would you come just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou didst become to thee, O Lamb of God, I come.
to be in the Lord's house today. A few things from the bulletin. Uh, I want to mention that uh, we have ladies' meeting coming up uh, Thursday night. So ladies want to mark that down, 6.30 uh, here at the church. Uh, we will be having um, uh, staff. Uh, we're going to be having a young couple in with us next weekend uh, to interview on a staff position. Uh, we'll have a reception for them Saturday night at 6 o'clock. And so I encourage you to come, plan to be with us there. And then uh, he'll be teaching uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning, and then preaching the afternoon service. So like for you to get to know them, and uh, you can do so uh, at that Saturday evening time. And I encourage you to plan uh, to come here and be with us for that. Missions conference coming up the next week, starting Wednesday night the 1st, going through the 5th. Uh, and encourage you to be praying about what God would want you to do for the cause of missions this new year. And uh, then we've got, uh, we've got the Parker family to Japan, the Scuffums to Cambodia, and the Marinos to California going to be with us. And so it'll be a good time and uh, looking forward uh, to missions conference. Let's go ahead and be dismissed in prayer. Lord bless you for being here today. And uh, look forward, if uh, you know you can, be back this afternoon at 1 o'clock for evening service. Love to have you back. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your great love for us. We pray to God that you would go before us, uh, take us from this place, uh, keep us safe, and uh, bring us back again. Uh, Lord, uh, we pray that you would be with these that have been mentioned in prayer and the others that are listed there and many others that undoubtedly we carry on our heart. We pray and ask that your will be done, that you might be glorified. We love you and we ask all these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.